The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Tune in, plug in, drop in. That's, uh, that's the new <laughs> Timothy that's Leary. The new one? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> tune in, plug in, tune in, drop in, plug in, get in. Fit in. Fit in. <laughs> Zoom sit in. in. Sit in. That was more Timothy Leary. Mm-hmm. That's true. Is Tim- was Timothy Leary married? Or uh, did he date um, like, uh, I don't know, Janis Joplin or somebody? They they had a lot of free love, right? So at the very least, he had oh, some, yeah. he, he got some, he got some action. Maybe uh, maybe we do an episode that's just the free love movement since everybody was sleeping with everybody. And yeah. be like, there's no particular pairing to look at. Just a bunch of fucking going on. Oh, Lord. And with no consequences. That's like if we, if we, when we do David Bowie, it's going to be a minute because he's sleeping with so many people. I can't wait for the Bowie episode. I'm very... We might have to do, maybe we do multiple Bowies. We might have to because it's like and- intense. Bowie and uh, and Iman, Bowie and Mick Jagger, Bowie and yeah. whoever else was well, in the room that night. Well, his first wife was really like instrumental in his life. Well, 
not no pun intended, but um, she was <laughs> his like, first wife was a guitar. <laughs> Uh, but she made David Bowie. She helped make David Bowie like what he is. But anyway, this is not Sounds an episode like about David Bowie. Yeah, but it's turning uh, into it. Please go on. No, right? Let's talk about David <laughs> Surprise, Bowie. Surprise, different episode for you. <laughs> well, the title doesn't match, but you're getting something else. Well, look, one, one day we will do David Look, we Bowie. let our hearts guide us in this podcast. <laughs> we do research and then we come and talk about something we know nothing about. <laughs> That's yeah, a great podcast, right? Finish that one yet. Uh, man. Well... Look, we got some important housekeeping to do at the beginning of this show because, mm. once again, tragically, we've got to go sit down in Corrections Corner. You're such a loser. Yeah, this one's on me, I guess. Um, <laughs> although I was trying to dig up the source that misinformed me and I couldn't find it. So maybe it was me. But I still think it was just written wrong somewhere out there because I don't make mistakes. Oh, wow. No, I do. And here's one I made. We had an episode recently about Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen. If you haven't heard that one, check it out. It's a wild ride. But near the end, talking about some other band members uh, from different bands, and the name Jerry Only came up. And I said he was the drummer from The Misfits. And... Punk fans across the globe cringed <laughs> and passed out because Jerry Only was the bassist for the Misfits. Duh. Oh, Obviously. Man. I hate getting shit like that wrong. I, and such an insult so to Jerry Only, too, because, you know, bassists are one thing, but a drummer. <laughs> come on. Damn. Ice cold. <laughs> Look, you gotta. Drummers can take it. <laughs> I had a friend, and I would go watch him play and only watch him because, I swear, this guy didn't have a brain in his head, but he had a brain separate for each limb because they all just operated independently of each other and made this incredible music. I'd never seen somebody drum like that, and uh, and I, the coordination, making all four, you know, two hands and two feet all do a different thing at the same time is insane to me. I'm like I'm trying to get my fingers to do different things and and they're all tripping over each other. I can't imagine being a good drummer. Good drummers are really impressive. It's true. So there, I insulted drummers and I lifted them up a little bit too. That's what we do here on Ridiculous Romance. <laughs> we kick you and then we help you back up. Yeah. And yes, so we want to thank at old timey cartoon villain for catching that one for us. Amazing. Staying sharp. Jerry only would be proud. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And with apologies to Jerry Only, who I know is a longtime listener of the show. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> but that's not all. We've also got a mail call. Mail. Awesome. This one is from Jamie Samarge, who wrote, During the episode about Nesbitt White and Thaw, which, now that I write that out, looks like a law firm. <laughs> but anyways, that's true. <laughs> Coming down, a Nesbitt White and Thaw. Have you, <laughs> have you assassinated your wife's lover? We've spent a lot of time defending ourselves. Now let us defend you. <laughs> if, you're, if you need to escape the law, call Nesbitt White and Thaw. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, <when> we, <laughs> where, where was I? Where was I? Uh, when you all were describing Stanford White, the first image that popped in my head was Dr. Robotnik from Sonic the Hedgehog. Perfect. Love it. So 
through that whole episode, in my mind, was Dr. Robotnik and old-timey <laughs> clothing doing all those things. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That's the pretty close. He did kind of look like Robotnik. Big, giant red mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his pants pulled up too high. <laughs> he trapped animals in little robots. Yeah, definitely. It all tracks. Yeah. <laughs> it all tracks. But did Dr. Robotnik ruin 378 young women? Oh, God, I hope not. Stanford White is worse than Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) Otherwise, I need to really reevaluate the time I spent with the Sonic the Hedgehog games. (laughs) What a weird character trait to give this cartoon villain. Somebody should inform Jim Carrey (laughs) what he's representing. Right. But no, that's awesome. Thanks, Jamie, for for reaching out and giving us that (laughs) laugh. Yeah, that was awesome. Yes. Also gave us a great, a bunch of great suggestions for future shows. So thank you for that as well. Indeed. So now that we've got all that out of the way. Yeah, is the house clean now? I think the house is as clean as it's going to get, <laughs> as fair. which is its usual state. Yeah. At any given time, our house is as clean as it's going to get. And that's not very clean. Spoiler look, alert. Look, we're working on it. It's a, it's a never-ending project. You all know. <laughs> we, yeah. Everybody, Everybody knows. Everybody gets it. So with the house clean, we are here today to talk about Amenhotep III and his wife, Queen T.A. Yes. This is a BC power couple of epic proportions. They reigned over a golden period in ancient Egypt, and she was the mother of the next pharaoh, the grandmother of Tutankhamun. I believe we've all heard of King Tut, a notorious Batman villain. (laughs) (laughs) And T.A. was also very influential in foreign relations, and together they uh, had quite an influence on ancient Egypt. Hey, guys, this is an ancient Egyptian story, and you know what that means? There's not a whole lot of documentation about what went on here. But we managed to scrape together uh, a a pretty solid story, and uh, we're going to tell you all about these two uh, coming up now. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So, yes, let's talk about T.A. first. She was born around 1398 B.C., that's a long time ago. A long ass time ago. That is, well, okay, look, around 1398. If you're going to say around, just round it up to 1400, right? Come on, <laughs> around. Well, if you just, you know, if you're ballparking, why ballpark such a weird, weirdly specific number? <laughs> <laughs> well, every, everything in ancient Egypt is maybe is, yeah. this, I feel like. So yeah. I guess they got some DNA ne- evidence now from uh, mummies. And stuff right. that's like pretty like, oh, this is definitely something. Yeah. But most stuff is like, we're pretty sure and we're kind of guessing and this might be a thing. And we're arguing, we've been arguing about this for a hundred years, you know. Yeah. This also just for a weird date perspective that just flashed into my mind. This is 1400 BC. That's uh, roughly 1600 years before Elagabalus, which was roughly 1800 years ago now. So oh, wow. almost as long between Amenhotep and T.A. and Elagabalus as mm. Elagabalus to now. It's a long ass time ago is what I'm saying. Very cool. Yeah. A long ass time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so T.A.'s father was named Yuya. He was a provincial priest and commander of the royal chariots. Cool job. 
He owned a very large plot of land, so he was considered to be one of the wealthiest Egyptians of the time. So pretty sweet. Rich dad. Yeah. Her mother, Tuya, was like a lady-in-waiting type servant for the queen, Metemwia, who was married to Amenhotep II. They were very useful that way with the first, second, third. (laughs) You always know (laughs) who comes next and (laughs) who went first. Um, And some experts believe that T.A.'s parents were not Egyptian, but foreign-born, perhaps from Nubia. Some debate about that. But it's interesting because T.A., if she was foreign-born, it would have been unusual for her to be selected as a wife for the pharaoh. Ah. So that's why they're kind of like, who know? We're not quite sure. but, But yeah. So the whole family probably lived in the palace or near it. Uh, and were in and out of there all the time. Right. And Tuya was also a priestess for the cult of Min, who was the Egyptian god of male sexual potency. He was usually worshipped around harvest time because he was. It was all about fertility for everything, not just not just men, but also plants. And right. Shit. Right. Um, but of course, it was all about having kids too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He is depicted in human form, holding his erect penis in his left hand and a flail, which is a threshing tool, in his right hand. That is... um, Is that how you'd like to be memorialized? You know, I wouldn't say memorialized. Uh, (laughs) That is how I would like to be forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, during the Festival of Men, they would play all these games in his honor. Stark naked. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know. You got to show off to the god of fertility. Let it flop around. Yeah. We want to see it. <laughs> why Why hide it from, from this guy? It's his whole deal. Right? He you needs know? to be able to see what he's working with. <laughs> <laughs> they would, they had this game where they would all climb a huge tent pole. Subtle. Yeah. Very subtle. <laughs> Worship of men also involved eating Egyptian lettuce. Mm-hmm. Egyptian lettuce doesn't look like our typical iceberg or green leaf lettuce or anything like that. It's actually more of a tall stalk that grows straight up. And here's a cool little science trick about Egyptian lettuce. When you rub the leaves, a white milky sap, I guess, kind of erupts from its oh. stalk. What's all this? And that... That goo is actually latex, yeah. so it's just too many connections here. A lot of penis stuff going on with this yeah. lettuce. Yeah, uh, we we get it, lettuce, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Calm down a it's little. It's a little much, really, right? to be honest. Like, kind of a little heavy-handed there, a little on the nose. Just don't get it on, on my, my nose, nose. please. <laughs> oh, God. Gross. No, you'd take this lettuce, you'd first offer it as a sacrifice... And then you'd eat it because this lettuce was believed to be an aphrodisiac. Can you imagine the Egyptian lettuce and some French celery all minced together in a salad? We really make vegetables do a lot of heavy lifting around here. (laughs) Hey, they they are vegetables. I got to make you horny too. (laughs) You got an eggplant and a zucchini in there. It's true. You got yourself a nice, nice fertile salad. Who knows what could happen after a night of that kind of salad? Ugh. Like the grossest salad. I know, like (laughs) eggplant and what now? And I'm not interested. Anyway, and women would touch the penis of men on his statue in the hopes of getting pregnant and hoping for fertility. Not like. (laughs) And that's still something that goes on today. 
like they touch the penis of the statue and they're like, I hope this works. <laughs> like they, they grossly misunderstand <laughs> reproduction. Min appears and he's like, you know, you have to do more than touch a penis, right? I'll send you a scroll about it. <laughs> but I think uh, typically, no, it was just that they, they touched it mm-hmm. hoping that they would be fertile. Not that touching the penis would make them pregnant, but that it would give them luck in getting pregnant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Men would be like, oh, thanks for the handsy. I'll make you. <laughs> I'll make you uh, not barren. Right. So, yeah. So this is what T.A.'s mom's getting up to, I guess. <laughs> and her dad, too, was also involved in with men worship. So that's what they were getting up to. Squeezing uh, lettuce. Playing games naked. Yeah. And she grows up in the palace. And she has some options open to her. Um, apparently, uh, Egyptian women, it, even though it was still a very patriarchal society in ancient Egypt, they they had uh, more options open to them than you might think. Um, noble women like T.A. could be priestesses for a god or goddess, kind of like her mom was doing. Um, they could be professional mourners who were basically paid to like c- cry for people, I what guess, and, and comfort the bereaved. I, I guess it's kind of like a funeral director now. Oh, okay. Like you would maybe prepare the body and stuff. Gotcha. Or, I was kind of picturing someone who just got paid to like go to, to funerals. To go to funerals and cry. <laughs> like I kind of want that. Like <laughs> see if you can't get a bunch of just actors to come and just look like so miserable. Oh my God. Like for people who are like, I guess, terrible people and have no one to come to their funeral. <laughs> like that's so sad. I know. After a life in the theater, I hope that <laughs> actors do show up and cry at my funeral, but <laughs> without being paid. <laughs> Yeah, but because for real. And then they're like, I can use your death as a impetus for tears in my auditions oh, from yeah. now on. Yeah, I hope my death plays a strong part in somebody <laughs> getting cast in Death of a Salesman one day <laughs> in Angels in America. There it is. I got it because of Eli. Uh, she could also choose to make perfume or weave uh, textiles. Um, or she could be a dancer, musician, or acrobat employed at temples or at court. Nice. That, that was a noblewoman's uh, pursuits. Okay. Um, so she had some options, some career paths available to her. Yeah, that's better than I had. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, there's some options. There's some good options here, actually. Um, but T.A. was destined to be queen, mm. and she married Amenhotep probably when she was around 11 or 12 years old. <laughs> So you've got all these career options laid out for you, nine-year-old. Exactly. Pick your path wisely. <laughs> you've got one year to decide. Oh, never mind. You're going to be married off to the king. Yeah, pretty much. No, that's fine. Pretty you could do worse. And she did all right. And of course, in ancient Egypt, you know, generally speaking, a lot easier to die in ancient Egypt than it is yeah. today. So they kind of were like, we got to get on, on with yeah, it. Yeah, you're looking at your, you know, 50s is like old age kind of. Right. Now, Amenhotep... We're not sure exactly when he was born. We're not even sure how old he was when he came to power. A lot of people think he was around 10 to 12, what some people thought maybe even as young as two, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense with the story that follows. Yeah, because he reigned for 38 years. So it's like, I think he was probably 10 to 12, just given the events of his life. That's my my very professional, incredibly <laughs> academic, Egyptology-trained opinion. Yep. Uh, yeah, y'all, we have recently watched The Mummy, so okay. we know what we're talking I'm about. I'm basically Rachel Weisz. <laughs> well, plus, also, two years after he ascended to the throne, he married T.A. 
So it's likely that he did that, you know, between 12 and 14 years old and not when he was four. Right. Because, you know, you get married when you're ready to have some kids. Like, that's the point. So she was probably old enough to have children and he was probably old enough to have children. And back then, that meant you're 10 to 12. Right. (laughs) Anytime between 10 or 12. If you were 13, it was like, wow, what a grandma. (laughs) Old maid. I guess this one's done. Amenhotep was the ninth ruler of the 18th dynasty, for those keeping track at home. He inherited a huge empire, too. This thing stretched from Syria to the Sudan. Uh, This was when Egypt was pretty broad Mm -hmm. in terms of how much land they controlled. During the 38 years of his reign, Egypt was stronger and more powerful than ever. Uh, During this time, they had bumper harvests, they had just years of peace, and a steady supply of gold coming in from the Sudan region. I mean, Very helpful. Cash money. I mean, this was giving them the upper hand in all of their trade negotiations with other nations. Egypt is on top right now with mm. Amenhotep in charge. Because, see, he was very innovative. He had a lot of foresight. Um, he was a great sportsman. He loved the outdoors. Just an all-in-all pretty cool guy. No other pharaoh built as many temples and monuments as Amenhotep III, except for Ramses II, who ruled for a longer period. But, like, look, nobody... Ramses II is the is the goat, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean we're talking yeah, he's the, big, the LeBron big. of pharaohs. <laughs> this guy was <laughs> untouchable. So we're not here to compare to Ramses. Right, okay. Ramses, take Ramses him. Too. He's ruining the curve. Yeah, yeah. So excluding Ramses II, Amenhotep was <laughs> the bomb. Yeah, some of his monuments and temples include the very famous Luxor Temple. Didn't we see a blue man group there? <laughs> we we did. This is when ancient Egypt stretched all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> There's a big beaming light shooting out of the top of the pyramid. <laughs> right. Anyway, so yeah, the actual Luxor, not the Vegas version, but the real Luxor Temple mm-hmm. was Amenhotep III's contribution to the skyline of Egypt, <laughs> and also the Colossi of Memnon. Cool. She's pretty cool. I wish we still had some Colossi. I know, Colossi, what a dope word. Okay, this seems like a good place for a break, right? And we'll be right back after this. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. So he's reigning over the golden age of Egypt. This is when the empire had, like, great influence in, on the international stage. It was at the height of arts and culture. And many pharaohs before this had depicted themselves as great warriors because Egypt was at war, you know, so you wanted a, a strong fighter's leader. Um, but right now, Egypt's at peace. So during his reign, Amenhotep III was still like, listen, I'm still gonna, I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, I can kick ass. But he was leaning more into his connections to the gods. And it was more about peace and maintaining order and that sort of thing. Because pharaohs would assume a five-name titulary, and it was meant to describe him and his his the program of his reign. So it'd be like if we elected Biden, and but it, then his name became his entire agenda. Right. <laughs> Which would be, wow, time-consuming, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. So all pharaohs had like a million different names. Amenhotep's names were all about truth, law and order, and maintaining peace. Um, and one of his favorite names for himself was Nimureya, which meant dazzling sun disk. That word literally meant that then, right? Like, it's not like now where, oh, my name is Nimureya. It means dazzling sun disk. Like, that's your own language at the time. That'd be like literally naming yourself dazzling sun disk, right? Yeah, I think so. It's like Heather. Like, Heather means Heather. Yeah. Heather is the the, the flower, you know, right, so right, it right, means right, what it right. is. That's it. But more but more elaborate than that. It'd be like if your name was Soft Fluffy White Heather and that was your like your full name. <laughs> Any soft fluffy white heathers out there? <laughs> shout out. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's funny. I would love to go around being like, "Hey, I'm Dazzling Sundisk. It's great to meet you." <laughs> oh. I feel like the closest we got was like hippie names when they called themselves yeah. like Rainbow Sunshine or yeah. whatever. That's yeah. like the closest to Egyptian that we got right. with our right. names. Dazzling Sundisk is just cooler than Rainbow Sunshine. Sorry. All right. I don't know why. I mean, Rainbow Sunshine is should be should be it's great. You know, it's just that toxic masculinity 
I'm just like, rainbows and sunshine, that's not cool. No way, man. That's not tough. That's lame. (laughs) But Dazzling Sun Disc is Dazzling Sun Disc is badass. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. It's dazzling. Yeah. It's a disc. It's a disc. Which could be a weapon. Discs are the coolest, like the manliest shape. Oh, (laughs) is that true? Oh, yeah. I would have thought this tent pole or whatever. No, 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 no. A disc like a... Like a CD or like a discus (laughs) or like a a cookie. You heard it here first. Amenhotep's devotion to TA is pretty obvious in everything that he left behind. There's a historian, Lawrence M. Berman, and he said that, quote, no previous queen ever figured... Excuse me. Surely he's a British Egyptologist, right? I don't know, but probably. I'm going to I'm going to guess and he can write in and correct us. <laughs> Historian Lawrence M Berman said, quote, "No previous queen ever figured so prominently in her husband's lifetime. She's regularly featured on statuary, tomb and temple reliefs, at he put her name on everything that his name was on, which is like crazy, unheard of." Yeah, cuz Women had to rely on men to record their lives. They didn't yeah. have any power over what was written down, right. what was put into the record, what was kept in the record, because people would erase. Speaking of Elagabalus, we talked about this in that episode where, as a punishment sometimes, they'd be like, we're erasing you from history. We're yeah. just not going to write about you, and we're going to erase everything we previously wrote about you. Yeah. And that happened in ancient Egypt as well. And then what? That's it. There's no Library of Congress. There's no tweets left over. There's nobody telling your story. Well, that's why it's so. That's why all these Egyptologists are like, well, maybe this and maybe that. Who knows? (laughs) Our best guess is that. (laughs) Yeah. So. So it was pretty cool that he put her name on on shit. He wanted people to know about her. And in statues in his mortuary temple, the royal couple. The two of them are depicted on an equal scale. Each figure is the same size. And according to Egyptian artistic convention, this meant that they were equally important because this was also very unheard of. Usually the pharaoh and his wife, she'd be depicted much smaller than him. And so it was really striking, very different that the two of them were seen as the same size. That meant something. Mm-hmm. There's a private tomb scene in his tomb where she's depicted as a sphinx trampling enemies. Awesome. And this caught people's eye because usually only kings were depicted as sphinxes, first of all. And then also trampling enemies was a task more associated with men and with kings, not queens. So this is kind of a hint about how important she was politically. It wasn't just that Amenhotep was obsessed with her and like wanted to have her picture everywhere right it was like the kingdom was like she was handling some business yep all this was meant to show that ta was amenhotep's divine as well as earthly partner they were gonna ascend into the heavens together and it wasn't just about their bodies here on earth Mm -hmm. they were both godlike right they were living embodiments Mm -hmm. of gods on earth she wasn't just some earthly hussy he picked up while he's in his human form and Get this, he even had a lake constructed in her honor in the 11th year of his reign that was two miles long, and they sailed its length in a royal barge so that everyone could see them sailing on this lake. Look at my wife's lake I made. I made. Who do you think made the lake? Hmm. I'm wondering who dug. uh, That seems like a lot of. You know what? Hmm. It's got to be interns, right? I was just about to say. I think it was probably some unpaid interns. Unpaid interns, yeah. Um, 
that possibly they were well-paid workers. <laughs> sorry. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I choked on that. <laughs> Another mighty civilization built on the back of unpaid interns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Yep. A few years later, he had a second lake built for her, probably by the same interns, because you know how hard it is <laughs> to get hired around well, here. Whoever made it through the program. Yeah. It's the a tough, first time. Uh, it's a tough program. Do you guys have job placement? Oh, yeah. We got job placement. <laughs> where, where could I get placed? Right where you are. <laughs> yeah, here. Place your hands on this shovel. Yeah. <laughs> and start digging, buddy. <laughs> So, yeah, so she's got these two lakes, and the profits from the farmlands around the lakes were hers to spend as she wished. So she had an independent income, her own source of money and everything. So she was very independent, uh, wise. She's very intelligent, strong, and fierce. Yeah. She was able to gain the respect of foreign dignitaries who were willing to deal with her directly when they came to talk to the pharaoh about business. They were willing to talk to T.A. instead. Damn, so they show up and they're like, uh, I'm here to do some business with the Pharaoh. And somebody says like, well, he's um, he's actually busy right now. Uh, you're not going to like this, but all I've got available is um, his like, main wife, the queen. You're like, Tia's here, amazing. Tia's here, oh my God. <laughs> well, well, excuse me, I'm going to need a minute to kind of brush up a little bit. <laughs> straighten my shirt here, straighten my tunic. Go get some frankincense from the car. <laughs> Yeah, so she was really active in foreign relations throughout her life. Um, and speculation, speculation station. Uh, I think this is another reason they think maybe she was, her parents were foreign born. Like like she had some uh, ties to foreign lands. So oh, she okay, was more sure, interested yeah. in like what was going on over there and how they were reacting with Egypt and stuff. That's part of it. But uh, gotcha. don't know for sure. She was also the first Egyptian queen to have her name recorded on official acts. She signed the bills. She said, and so saith I, <laughs> Queen T.A., that from now on, uh, uh, unpaid interns are going to have to work a little harder around here. <laughs> oh, no, T.A. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have any evidence that she was a progressive leader. Oh, no, none at all. <laughs> none at all. She'd she'd write. Um, yeah, she wrote a bill that said, "I think it's I, I've got it right here." I'll okay, read it. yeah, read it to me. Uh, it goes, "Crow, cl- clay pot, field of wheat, clay pot, clay pot." Uh-huh. There's a cat. Uh-huh. Uh, there's uh, what else? <laughs> what and a feather and a couple of snakes. A feather. Yeah, there's a, a staff, and then uh, another clay pot. Uh huh. Clay pot. And then it's and, up, and up above that it says, "Nobody colon me colon." <laughs> Hieroglyphs. <laughs> yeah, and that was a very seminal bill. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't need to tell you guys. Yeah, that was the... Uh, Amazing. Yeah, that changed ancient Egypt forever. <laughs> oh, lordy. Uh, he even had a temple built for her where she was worshipped in the form of the goddess Hathor. Again, representing that she was part goddess now, not just some regular old lady. Right. And she even adopted Hathor's horn and disc as part of her own regalia. So, she, yeah, they Smooth. were walking around like... We are part gods. Yeah. Hot shit. Hot shit. Now, like most pharaohs, it's not like, I mean, what do you expect the guy to do? Only have one wife? No. He had a harem pretty large. Um, 
He married a couple daughters of the king of Babylon, you know, a daughter or two of Toshrada, the king of Mitanni in northern Syria. You know, he had some wives. A couple others, yeah. Yeah, uh, kicking around. And that was pretty standard. You know, again, he's a pharaoh. He's got a lot to do and he's got like 50 years to live. So you got to <laughs> you got to get it in when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want your you want your, your son line. to. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. So right. Because otherwise, around. you know, your, your family tree had to have some branches um, somewhere. <laughs> so he did that. But for Amenhotep, his favorite was definitely T.A. She held the title of great royal wife while the others were just the king's wife pish posh just that well that's still i mean among regular workaday egyptians you know that's still pretty wow (laughs) but great royal was like oh shit Uh uh-huh yeah they had six children together including the next pharaoh amenhotep the fourth he changed his name to akhenaten and that would not be the last thing that he would change but we will give him and his queen nefertiti their own episode oh yeah and one of their daughters, one of Amenhotep and Tia's daughters, was Sitamen, and she was elevated to great royal wife around year 30 of Amenhotep's reign. So she was the daughter of the pharaoh and then upgraded to great royal wife, wife of, of her dad. Yep. Pharaohs married their daughters and they married their sisters. Yeah! You know, cultural differences, <laughs> um, they span across... Time and culture. Uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, one man's wife is another man's daughter, I guess. I don't know. Well, <laughs> one man's wife is his own true. daughter. I. Ooh. Yeah, look, it was a long time ago. And it was a common thing for pharaohs to do. The god Osiris married his sister Isis, and they had the first pharaoh together. So it was kind of like ordained that they should marry their sisters or daughters in order to keep the bloodline pure. Yeah, right. And um, commoners were kind of like, okay, because they were supposed to be gods and not people. So it was like, well, that makes sense. I mean... Oh, gods can do it. Yeah. They did not do it. It was not a common thing amongst regular old Egyptian people. Civilians, yeah. And merchants and stuff. They, They did not marry their family members and found it to be not a cool thing at all. Yeah. But they were like, pharaohs can do it. It's fine. Sure. No who was the first grossy who was like, oh, no, it's okay. Uh, the, the Osiris did it, you know? Uh, right. and they're like, who's Osiris? He's like, oh, he's a, he's a god. You, you wouldn't, you, you know, it's too complex for a simple mind like yours to understand. Uh, but it's totally divine that I'm marrying my daughter, basically, is what I'm saying here. It actually gets weirder, if I can tell you. Go ahead. The story is that Osiris died, uh-huh. and Isis brought him back to life just long enough to conceive the first pharaoh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, well, you know, gods. Yeah, they had their own rules. But interestingly, regular Egyptians would call their wife or husband, sister or brother, as a term of endearment. Aw. I, kn- I was like, <laughs> that would not work. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you walked in and you were like... Hey, sis. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. Um, apparently, it was just to clear it up, if anyone's wondering, because uh, I did. I like, what? why is that a good thing? But apparently it was meant to represent an egalitarian bond. Like, it wasn't just husband and wife anymore. They were, like, 
on the same level as each other. They okay. had equal power in the relationship, sort of, and they were... Yeah. Uh, it's like a blood bond at this point rather than just a marriage bond. I see. The other reason why a pharaoh would marry his sister or his daughter was because royal daughters and princesses were not allowed to marry foreign princes because it, Egyptians felt that the other nations would like try to start some shit yeah, yeah. in their name kind of thing. Which has happened. Oh, yeah. Historically, sure. for sure. Um, but yeah, so they weren't allowed to marry any foreign princes, but they also could not marry beneath their class. So who? Uh, there's no one else to marry, basically, but Pretty your father or your brother. Limited window there yeah. for a princess. Another example reminds me of like Suleiman and the princes where it's, you know, you were born into the best circumstances anyone could be born into. You're part of the royal family. Mm-hmm. And also that sucks for you. Right. Like you are kind of also, you prob- you got a nice place to live and you never want for, you know, food and shit like that. But the restrictions uh, <laughs> made things pretty dang rough. Right. You kind of got treated like shit because of these like, you know, stodgy old rules. Mm-hmm. Ended up Ugh. getting screwed by your brother. Ew. Ew. So the pharaohs are marrying the daughters of other kings of other nations for the classic political reason that it would create friendly diplomatic relations between the two countries, mm-hmm. but they would never reciprocate in the yeah. same way. They were like, I keep my daughters, and if they don't marry me, they don't marry anybody, Damn. or they're going to marry my son. That's it. So crazy. <laughs> so weird. Um, but I guess it worked for a while. E- <laughs> Egypt lasted a long time. <laughs> True. And he elevated one other of his daughters to great royal wife as well near the end of his reign. So I believe he had four daughters and he married two of them. At some point, he had commemorative stone scarabs distributed to everyone in the empire, extolling all of his accomplishments. So it was like the presidential plate of his day. (laughs) Uh, You know, everybody, well, except everybody got one for free. Uh, you had to have one, and it listed all his accomplishments or, or various accomplishments on them. 123 of these scarabs have been found that talk about how in the past 10 years, Amenhotep has killed 110 lions with his own arrows. Ooh. I wonder if uh, environmentalist Egyptians of the day were like, that's terrible. The lion population has been dwindling. <laughs> And we are driving them to extinction with this kind of behavior. And now he's celebrating it by posting his wooden scarabs all over town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a cuneiform somewhere. Uh-huh. All, they're tapping it out. And <laughs> then they were like, I'm tired. That's what it's, we should do. If you want to tweet, you should have to damn scroll it out in a stone. You better mean that shit. <laughs> the, it says, nobody, colon. <laughs> yeah, me. Me, colon. Not a pharaoh killing off all these lions again. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was funny because it'd be like if a president was like, hey, I made four holes in one the other day and <laughs> yeah. I want to tell everyone about it. Like, it's <laughs> such a weird thing <laughs> to do. But I guess it was, you know, it was like a newspaper of the day. Like, you were just kind of telling everybody what you'd been up to, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And several more of these stone scarabs talk about the foreign princess Gilkupta that he will soon marry. And apparently she arrived at her new home with an entourage of 317 women. Yeah, I was kind of like, man, who brings that many roommates with them? <laughs> <laughs> she rolls deep. She rolls deep. Yeah, I brought my entire sorority with me, if you don't mind. 
Um, uh, so I'll need my own like wing. <laughs> you know what? We'll just we'll just build a wing for you real quick. Uh, let me get some. Can I get some unpaid interns over here, please? <laughs> okay, this feels like a good place for us to take a break. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back to the show. The next big event in Amenhotep's reign is in year 30. Because after 30 years of rule, a pharaoh in Egypt had to have a said festival. And this is like a religious jubilee. It's basically like celebrating that he's made it to, to 30 years because <laughs> that's unusual <laughs> in ancient times. Uh, it's kind of meant to rejuvenate the pharaoh. Um he recommits to all the gods with like processions and offerings and sacrifices at all the temples and everything. Um, and uh, and he was kind of also announcing his 
rise to full divinity from being a near God to now like a full God. And then after 30 years, you would have one every three to five years. So you had to wait a long time for your first one, but then you had them pretty regularly. I like that they're like, holy shit, he, you stayed alive for 30 years? That is unheard of. That is so <laughs> insane that nobody has stabbed you in the back yet <laughs> and you weren't, you know, dragged off and murdered in war mm-hmm. or like a scarab didn't, you know, crawl into your skin and burrow its way into your brain, which is from my studying of the mummy is very common. Very common. Um, Way to go. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and then after that, like every three years, they're like, damn, still? Oh. You're still here? Let's have another party. Shit. Yeah, maybe, maybe, may as well. Amenhotep had three said festivals, which was quite a few. Of course, again, Ramses holds the record for the most. Of course. Ramses. We get it, Ramses. You're the, like, homecoming king of Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) But Amenhotep had three. Uh, Pretty good. And he wanted them to be spectacular. Yeah. This is the Olympics of their time, I guess. They they had to spend a bunch of money and build a bunch of shit. Uh, He had a lot of temples and statues built up and down the banks of the Nile. A lot of really cool, uh, intricate ornaments and jewelry was created for the occasion. Um, I'm pretty sure this is when he had the second lake built for Tiye, and they used it in the festival. He would change his costume at every major activity. So general cash money behavior <laughs> going on here. <laughs> he was throwing money around. He's yeah. changing clothes a bunch. He's dressed to impress. Uh, yeah, they've got the artisans at work. Everyone's into it. He had to go to the temples of the gods and knock on the doors with a mace and then enter, followed by Queen T.A. and his other wives. It's like a ritual thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably leave something there, I imagine. Some yeah, offering. Yeah, a little gift. Some something. Uh, Thank you for 30 great years. Yes. Here's to 30 more. <laughs> Here, take my unpaid intern. <laughs> I, I leave for you. Right. One major highlight was his coronation, right? Mm-hmm. In Upper Egypt, he wore a white crown. And in Lower Egypt, he switched to red. This was, you know, in honor of their leaders down there they would wear red crowns so it's sort of like uh you know like president comes down south and puts on a cowboy hat or uh you know he goes to the northwest and he wears tie-dye you know (laughs) sort of uh acknowledging (laughs) the regional culture it's like a bucket hat and at the Pike Place market yeah yeah (laughs) like a Kangle hat on English Avenue exactly it's said that this festival lasted between six and eight months. It's a pretty bomb-ass party. Yeah. And what the longest party we had was like four, four months. months. Yeah. Nobody came. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's just us. But it was a party. Yeah, it's always a party around here. After this, Amenhotep went from being a near god to being one divine, which meant that he had transcended you know, his sort of like demigod status and was just straight up divinity at this point. Mm -hmm. But even though he was a god, he still got sick. What? Uh, I guess because his human, his poor human, weakly human body. Oh, sure. Well, you know, those only last so long. Right, right, right. And so his started to break down near the end of his life. Um, Historians think he may have suffered from arthritis and that he had painful abscesses in his teeth. He had very worn, like, cavity-ridden teeth. Ouch! Dental issues back in the day. I mean, they're so upsetting now that it's like to think about back in the day when they didn't even know what to do about it. No Tylenol or nothing. No. Ooh. 
So, yeah, they they think that he was suffering a lot the last few years of his life. And it has been suggested that T.A. was actually running things uh, for a little while before his death. So maybe like a little bit of a Nancy Reagan situation where he was still out there waving, but she right. was the one right. making these decisions. Maybe that's when she started signing bills and stuff. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, someone's like, oh, no, this scarab clay pot staff doesn't look like the pharaoh's usual scarab oh. clay pot staff. This looks like Queen Tia's handwriting. <laughs> uh, he died probably around 50 years old. But a, a sturdy rule of sturdy 50 years of life. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I would say he got in more in his 50 years than most of us get into 80 or 90. Very true. I mean, he traveled that empire. He yeah. had a bunch of coronations. He went from being a near god to being a full god. I mm-hmm. mean, who can say that? A few dozen wives. Mm-hmm. Some of them his daughters. Several children. Yeah, some you know. of whom he married. <laughs> yeah, several wives, several children, and then several wives again. <laughs> Gross. It's just a cycle. Ugh, disgusting cycle. Yeesh. Hey, yay, yay. Um, and T.A. outlived him by probably 12 years, and she continued to advise their son, Akhenaten, after he became pharaoh. His letters to Tushrata, the king of Minrati, speak very highly of T.A.'s influence. She even corresponded directly with Tushrata, who expressed hope that their friendly relations would continue under Akhenaten's rule. Yeah, Akhenaten is known as the pharaoh who wanted to go from worshipping multiple gods, which Egypt was very comfortable with and used to, obviously, after yeah. many years of doing it, generations. Um, he wanted to focus on one god, his favorite god, Aten. So he moved the capital from Thebes to Amarna because he just wanted to take them away from Amun was the main god. Yeah. And they want, he just was like, get away from that temple everyone's focusing too much on this god look at my god instead uh-huh. uh and she had a house in amarna with him so that's they're like oh she went with him she was still involved with his his life and his rule and everything right. so she was probably still advising him at this point yeah she's also depicted as having dinner with him and nefertiti mm-hmm. and uh akhenaten ended up keeping her quite close for a long time And then she's mentioned for the last time in the year 1338 BC. So that's probably around when she died or shortly after. At that time, she would have been over 60 years old. Pretty good. Yeah, that's good for that that time. Yeah, I would like to enter speculation station. Sure. Not that this whole thing is a speculation station, kind of. (laughs) But um, I kind of wondered because Akhenaten is, you know, his queen Nefertiti is really well known. Everybody's heard of her. She's incredibly famous Egyptian queen. Um, and apparently there's not a lot of details known about her right. for real, but of course there's a bunch of statues and, and we're really familiar with her. So he really elevated his queen in a way that was unusual. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wondered if, you know, that was because of Amenhotep and T.A. If he was like, I want what my dad had, or he just was used to, at this point, the dad had recorded the queen so much that he was like, oh, that's what you do with your favorite wife. Yeah. You fucking put her name on shit and you make sure people remember her. Yeah. The great royal wife is an important position Mm -hmm. and a bomb ass woman. Yeah. And I think so, because I think that uh, Pharaoh's wives just had a lot more influence after T.A., not just running the palace and shit, but like actually entering an opinion about how things should be. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I think makes this such a, you know, a story that we decided to go with because... This wasn't your average uh, king and queen of, Engl- of, of England. 
this his wasn't, is definitely not an average queen and king of England. Considerably, notably different than the standard king and queen of England. <laughs> this was not your average king and queen of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two really stood out and changed things, you know, yeah. seemingly for for quite a while afterwards. And and you know, again, as usual, we could spend our whole night in Speculation Station and uh, go back through time and check our butterflies and (laughs) see, you know, if we stepped on one, how different would everything be? But we can assume that uh, Egypt might have continued to develop very differently Mm -hmm. uh, had it not been for the relationship that these two had. Definitely impossible. And we might be living in a completely different world today uh, where we're all uh, covered in dirt and eating snails (laughs) out of the ground because, uh, you know, just... If it hadn't been for the two of them, uh, everything would have gone to complete shit. Damn, eating so, snails out of the ground. Look, I'm just saying uh, Queen T.A. was pretty cool, and I, I like to think she changed things for the better. Well, I like to think that, too. Except, obviously, <laughs> slavery, because clearly they benefited from that for a long time. So, uh, okay, you know, true. as with any look back in history, <laughs> uh, you take the good with the bad and you, as long as you harshly condemn the bad, learn right. from it and don't do it again. Stop it. Stop <laughs> That's it. That's the best we can do when we look back at these stories. Has anyone thought about stopping it? <laughs> just a thought. Don't have slaves. How about that? Just, again, just saying, just floating the suggestion. I'll tell you this. Every time people have stopped having slaves, turned out fine. Worked out. It worked out. It worked you out. Know? People still made money, too, more importantly, because that's always the fucking argument. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, economically, you can't... No. Everyone still makes money, so shut up. It's like, how could I possibly afford to pay all these workers to build these enormous pyramids? I'm going to have them do it for free. Okay, time to go sit in my solid gold room where the walls, floor, ceiling, and furniture are all made out of pure gold and eat everything I've ever wanted shipped in from across the globe. I think any of the unpaid interns were like, yeah, maybe if you didn't bury all the treasure with you in a tomb, we could fucking redistribute it, man. Yeah, I don't think they were uh, permitted to uh I'll just to take voice one vase. Opinions. Can I have one vase? <laughs> could feed my family for two months with a vase. Two generations of like, people could eat on this vase. You're not supposed to have a family. <laughs> Do that they takes need... you away from work. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, you, you got to make more. You've laborers. got a family. Oh, great! Well, hey, they should join our internship program. <laughs> exactly. Bring them with you next time. We've got great job placement. Bring your family to work. Year. <laughs> Bring your family to work. Lifetime. <laughs> Yikes. So yeah. So the, so again, what do we know of these two? Pretty much everything we just gave you. That's about all there is known. But uh, an important story, an important couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and pretty if, significant and you know, romance. If, if you're the type who wants to go through all of the various broken pottery and statues that they're looking at to determine all these things, mm-hmm. please feel free. It's not my bag. I'll say that. I like history a lot, but I was like, I cannot read about another cartouche partially destroyed that may or may <laughs> not have someone's name on it. Like, <laughs> This is the other issue, I think, with when you get into Egyptology especially, but any sort of ancient culture, you know, mm-hmm. where history has only begun to be written down mm-hmm. uh, in languages that are long since gone. You know, again, we just get kind of the pieces that made it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, somebody might have written Quintier's entire story and then like six months later, somebody spilled their coffee on it and that's it's gone forever now. That's it. Now no one's ever going to hear of Quintier again. You know, so w- we get what 
was left over and brilliant minds who've spent a long, tedious, dull... It ain't Indiana Jones. Uh-uh. Okay? No, it is a tedious process deciphering yes. all these symbols, translating these languages, you know, putting these puzzle pieces together. It sounds awesome. If I had devoted, you know, much of my life to anything else, that that's uh, probably top seven. Somewhere in there would have been like archaeology because I, you know, I love puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it takes a lot of focus, and what we, what the scraps that we have are incredible that we have. Right, them. right. I was gonna say. I mean, you know, you pointed out how long ago this was. Yeah. I mean, thousands of years have gone by, so it's amazing that we have any information about them. To be honest. There was yeah. one detail I thought was funny where they found evidence that he got gifts during the said festival mm-hmm. from like not only noblemen, but also like smaller merchants and stuff. Yeah. And they found it out because of a trash pile outside of one of the palaces oh. that had all these jars in it oh. that had all these different people's names on it. And I was like, that is so funny to think about the trash being full of what is to us, I mean, priceless ancient (laughs) artifacts, you know what I mean? And like just picturing some guy being like, oh, it's from Arnold, like and throwing it and just tossing it in the garbage. Like that's insane. (laughs) I mean, you know, yeah, uh, 4,000 years from now, they find a pile of like wrapping paper and... Uh, you know, all Blu-rays, and they're like, oh, my God, this was a great king's 13th birthday party. (laughs) That's also what I was thinking was uh, opening the jars and pulling the presents out and someone going, in the bag, now put it in the bag. Put it in the bag. Don't leave it on the floor. I'm sick of picking this shit up. Now put it in the bag. (laughs) Uh But it's a clay jar. Right. (laughs) Put it in this larger clay jar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take it out back. (laughs) Then it'll be clean around here. (laughs) So, yeah, thousands of years of of time have gone by, have smashed up a lot of this shit. But uh, I'm very glad that we have some evidence of T.A. and Amenhotep III. Happy to share that story with you all. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We we love digging into ancient Egypt, you know. We'll definitely do it again. Several ancient... Oh Pharaohs yeah, I mean and queens, as we say. These you know. two, these the kids of, yeah. of these guys were and Ramses. Got to do Ramses, as you say. Out. I mean, he's the goat. Rams, like I'm not even sure if we can get the rights to Ramses' story. Like this guy <laughs> is, he's a lot. He's, he's a lot. lot. But we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, please, uh, if you're an Egyptologist or just like us, a uh, dedicated student of the mummy. Uh, <laughs> with Brendan Fraser, uh, then um, please reach out. We'd love yeah, to hear from you. You definitely. can email us at romance at iheartmedia.com. Or slide into the DMs. I'm at Boom on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm there as at oh great, it's Eli. And we both manage the show's account at Riddick Romance. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so nice to see nice things that y'all write but also it really does help people find the show and it helps us uh look like we're doing a good job so (laughs) help us look like we're doing a good job (laughs) we love it thanks so much everybody and we'll see you next time yeah can't wait so long friends it's time to go thanks for listening to our show tell your friends neighbors uncles and dance to listen to our show ridiculous romance (laughs) 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.